The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I invite you to turn with me back to Revelation chapter 3. We'd like to look at the church at Philadelphia again. Last week we tried to consider what does a healthy church look like to Jesus Christ. And we saw from the seven churches at Asia, it may have been very surprising to the original recipients of this, uh, this letter, the book of Revelation, that the more prominent churches, the larger churches that had more name recognition, particularly Ephesus, Sardis, and Laodicea, were condemned. Smyrna, the poor church, and Philadelphia, the small church, were commended and had no rebukes against them. So one of the characteristics of a God-honoring, Christ-glorifying church is a focus and a desire to pursue open doors, okay? So I'd like to focus on that this morning. Open doors. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, but are not and do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because... Thou hast kept the word of my patience. I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is introduced here in verse 7 as he that hath the key of David. Okay, he that hath the key of David. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is called both the root and the offspring of David. He's the son of David. There was a prophecy back in the Old Testament that God told David that I will raise up your son and he will build me a house and he will rule over a kingdom that will last forever. And there was aspects of that that was fulfilled in the life of Solomon who built a physical house, but obviously his kingdom didn't last forever. That's pointing toward Jesus Christ as the son of David who rules and reigns over the kingdom of God, right? So we have all these references to Jesus being the son of David, and here he has the key of David. And this is quoted from Isaiah 22 and verse 22. We won't turn over there because it is pretty much a direct quotation. It says over there that he hath the key of David upon his shoulder and that he has the authority to open and to shut. And if you have a key, that means that you have authority and control over that door, right? 
A key opens and a key closes, and the person that has the key has the control over the door, right? He has the key of David, and if Christ opens the door, then no man can shut it. But also, if he shuts it, no man can open it. And I want you to notice how the Lord says that I've set before you an open door, and he doesn't tell that to any of the rest of the churches, right? Uh, Smyrna is not rebuked, but they were dealing with severe persecution. Probably some of them were going to face martyrdom very soon. We see Ephesus, who had lost a focus and devotion and love toward Christ, and he told them to repent and return to their first love. We see doctrinal problems in Pergamos and Thyatira, and Sardis um, had a name that they lived, but they, they were dead. Some were faithful, but the majority of the church was complacent and asleep in their discipleship, and then obviously all of the problems with Laodicea. But there's a reason why the Lord set before this church an open door, okay? The reason why he gave them an open door was because they were faithful, right? All the rest of these churches had a lot of problems. And, you know, uh, this is a great example uh, that, you know, you always have to fix your own problem, you know, that you have to uh, deal with the the beam in your own eye before you can uh, see clearly to... uh, properly evaluate the moat in somebody else's eye. You know, it's not really a great idea for God to open a door for people uh, to come in and to minister and for you to meet new people if there's all these problems internally, right? I mean, is the Lord going to open a door, a great and effectual door uh, to Pergamos and Thyatira who are dealing with all of these um false teachings in the middle of them? Well, no, that's not an environment that new people need to come into, right? So the reason why the Lord has set before them an open door is because they had been faithful, because they had not denied his word, because they had remained faithful to keep his word and did not deny his name, says in verse 10, you kept the word of my patience, right? So the reason why the Lord opened a door to this church is because They had proven themselves faithful in past devotion and service, right? We prove ourselves faithful in the small things, and that's who the Lord, remember we talked recently about the parable of the talents, right? You prove yourself faithful in the small things, and then that's who the Lord sees fit. If you you prove yourself faithful in the small things, that's a pretty good indication that you'll probably be faithful when you have more that's given to you. So there's a reason why the Lord opened a effectual door to this church here at Philadelphia because they were faithful, right? Because even though they were not that impressive to the world, they had a little strength, a small group, but they were devoted and they were faithful. They kept the word of God and they had not denied the name of Jesus Christ. So what does an open door look like? What does an open door look like? How do we discern open doors? How do we pursue open doors? As we begin to think about this, I want to go to Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. And we want to read verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and 
and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So do you see this uh, imagery here of knocking and typically knock on a door, right? And if you knock, it also gives the picture of that door being opened. So you ask, but you don't just ask, you put actions uh, behind the prayer, actions behind the asking, and you have not just one action of seeking, but persistence in knocking, right? Ask and shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. There's quite a few things that we've tried to do here at Macedonia that um, I, I guess at a time I kind of viewed them as, as open doors. And I would say if you're not doing them, there are opportunities for open doors, okay? And that, there's kind of a double-edged sword here. And uh, what I mean by that is that there are some things when it says the Lord uh, has an open door before you that no man can shut, there are some things that we have the opportunity to do at any given time, we just need to do them, okay? Uh, now, if we're not doing them, then that's an open door for us, you know? Uh, and there's some things that are a little bit more providential, a little bit more manifest um, that we can discern, and certainly the Spirit of God needs to guide those situations. But <clears throat> just simple things that we can do to grow the church, to have a greater um, ministry and name in the community that we've tried to do is simply setting up a website, right? Uh, many churches today, Primitive Baptist churches, don't have a website. We don't, we don't go to the yellow pages to find uh, any information anymore, do we? we? We pull up our phone and we type in Google. Like, that's just the world we live in. And, and if you don't have a website, you're, you're hurting your church by not having a website. And you need to have content on that website, right? Put your sermons out there. It's a very simple thing to do. I take 30 minutes a week and put those things up. And a lot of people have been edified by that. You need to have some degree of a presence on Facebook. I mean, again, where do people go for information? Um, go they look on Facebook, just the way things are. Um, we've tried to have some degree of interactions in the community, especially recently, um, setting up a Bible study at the nursing home, and that's been a great blessing to them. Um, we have tried to have interactions with the Starkville Pregnancy Center. They just rebranded, by the way, First Steps Clinic. And um, thankful that we had that, uh, that opportunity to do that. Um, we'll talk about the Wednesday night in a, in a minute. Um, thankful we have that opportunity. We have um, twice a month Bible studies that we did not previously have at my house and then alternating between another brother's house. And those are all things that we were not previously doing when I arrived, and now we're doing that. And I think a lot of those avenues are a great blessing to many people. But there's many churches that don't do that. They just show up to church on Sunday, and, 
and they have a pretty good time for an hour and a half, but then they just go and don't do anything else. Well, if you're not doing those simple things, if there any, if there anybody listening to this that is uh, not doing those things, those are open doors for you. Those are wide open doors for you to do very, very simple things that the Lord can take and you sow that good seed and the Lord is always faithful that in due season, if you're faithful to sow, in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So if you're not doing those things, if we're not doing those things, then you have an opportunity that's sitting right before you. They're, they're open doors, but, but the reason why I want to put those in a different category, if you let me put it like that, is those are things that we can do anytime. Okay, I don't, I don't think there's that many shut doors to you uh, spending a couple hundred dollars to set up a Facebook page or, or, or website rather. Um, Facebook's free, you know. Uh, but there are not really limitations for you to do those simple things. And when I had <clears throat> a little bit more time on my hands in my job transition recently, um, and I made excuses for this, and, and there are uh, reasons in the back of my mind that I try to justify for not doing this, but I've tried to write some. I got some books out there and some articles and stuff, but I had not made a commitment to try to have some degree of article in our local paper, and that was a very glaring issue that um, I know that I've made excuses in the past, and I needed to um, do my best to, to try to do that, that uh, it was very evident to me when I had a little bit more time on my hands. So what I simply did was call up the appropriate people, right? Uh, the Choctaw Plain Dealer, and I think they have a couple other um, newspapers under that company, uh, contacted them, also contacted the Starkville Daily News, and that's something that had been sitting out there the whole time. I personally just didn't pursue it the way that I should have, okay? So how is a, uh, how is a door open? Think about uh, the nursing home. I mean, that was sitting out there the whole time. And it took Sister Rodera kind of mentioning to me and nudging me a little bit uh, for me to make some phone calls and have some inquiries. But that's something that was sitting out there the whole time. And I would say that um, there is probably not a single nursing home out there that is not willing in some way for you to come and sing or have a time of discussion of Bible study. There's probably not one, one nursing home out there that's not willing to give you that opportunity if you're just willing to call them up, to ask, seek, and knock a little bit. So these are all things that have just been sitting out there that I just made a little bit of effort to pursue a little bit. Um, and with the uh, local paper here in, in Ackerman, we got that going, but I'm having to do a little bit more of seeking and knocking uh, with the Starkville Daily News. Um, and just to give you a little bit of example of the simple things, maybe, that asking, seeking, and knocking can look like, I had some discussions with them at Strawball Daily News called them and they said, oh yeah, we'd be happy to have you submit an article and put it up. So I sent them all the information 
add our church to their directory and then to add the article and then silence for two months. You know, they, didn't, they didn't publish anything. So I called them again this week. Mm-hmm. Called them back again this week. And they said, oh yeah, sorry we missed that. Uh, send us all your information and we'll have it in this Sunday's paper. Well, it didn't look like it, they made it to this Sunday's paper either. So I'm going to have to keep seeking and knocking a little bit, you know, because the Starkville Daily News is kind of maybe not following through a little bit. But, you know, that's, that's simple things, isn't it? Some emails, some phone calls. Let's take 15 minutes to try to talk through this with somebody. That's some very simple asking, seeking, and knocking, right? And you might be surprised that that's kind of how open doors get opened in many different areas. <clears throat> then you have ones that are maybe a little bit more providential, a little bit more manifest, because those are ones that are available to us. And there's other avenues as well. Um, and I hope that you're praying for open doors. I hope that you're thinking and seeking what an open door may look like. And I'm always open for your suggestions and comments for what route we can take. And I hope that you can provide some of that feedback for me, but also it's not just up to me to pursue open doors. I hope that one of the main thrusts of this message is that open doors are set before you each day that you need to pursue and that you can't, that you individually are suited to press through that door. Okay. Uh, it's not about primarily just I'm calling up my pastor to go through the open door. Well, no, he opens doors for you on a daily basis. Okay. Um, but these are all things that are very simple things to do that are available to us if we're just willing to pursue them, okay? But there's other things that the movement of the Holy Spirit and God's providential guidance will will open a door in a very manifest, powerful way that is not normally open. Okay, and one uh, application of this, probably the most prevalent wide open door that I have experienced was when I first accepted the pastorate here in July of 2015. I had some other appointments that I wanted to carry out and fulfill that obligation. So the first Sunday in September was my first Sunday of being here every Sunday. And after that, I'm here every Sunday, and I was praying in the lead up to that, Lord, give us some open doors. I don't know what that looks like. I'm young and green in the ministry, just ordained a couple months ago, and first pastorate, I have no idea what I'm doing, so just whatever that looks like, you know, whatever that open doors look like, but the very first Sunday, the very first Sunday that I'm here every, every week, the next day, that was the first Sunday in September, the next day was Labor Day, and I got a phone call from Brother Joe Nettles that there was an opening at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings for a radio program and WLZA radio in Starkville. And I don't know if y'all know this, but 8 a.m. Sunday time slots come open probably like once every 30 years, okay? Like that doesn't happen, okay? 8 a.m. 
just Sunday morning time slots. They don't come open, okay? And th there's a lot to be said about that. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of Brother Tim McCool that it was presented to him, uh, a sovereign grace brother that had that time slot with the Raymond Span. We listened to him driving to church when I was growing up. Good faithful brother uh, from the Sovereign Grace group, and they were giving up that time slot, and he approached Brother Tim, and instead of Brother Tim just taking it, he prayed about it. Brother Joe was new to the area. He contacted Joe. Joe immediately called me. A couple weeks later, we had a radio program. But it was the day after. That, that, that was just light bulbs to me. It was literally the Monday after my very first day very first Sunday of being the full-time pastor here at Massadown, when I've been praying for open doors, the very next day I get a phone call from Brother Joe, you know? And then we set up a website for that to be able to do it. Fast forward to April of 2016, and I get an email from Douglas Mandera from Kesey Kenny on the other side of the world who has been visiting our Gospel of Grace website. Now, now those are the things where you really start to see the powerful open doors start happening, when people start contacting you out of the blue, you know, uh, that you, you weren't expecting anything, and then people just kind of just come out of the woodwork, you know. Those, those are the really powerful ones. And I'm, I'm very thankful that God saw fit to open that door, because let me tell you, and, and, and God knows how to structure things just right, you know. We have that, that relationship and that partnership with Sulphur Springs, it would have been difficult for me to be able to do that every single week, but me and Joe were able to alternate, we were able to split the financial costs with Sulphur Springs. God just set it up just right because there's no way that I, being ordained just like three or four months, I'm not going to go out and try to find a radio program. I mean, I'm not qualified to preach on the radio. You know, I'm just trying to make sure I don't mess this thing up. But then God just dropped it in my lap, you know. And a lot of times that's how things happen, you know. God just kind of drops it in your lap. Uh, and that's how open doors happen a lot of times. <clears throat> and then we had the, uh, the Wednesday night meeting that Brother Joe spearheaded. And where did that come from? Well, what's the background of that? Well, Brother Joe moved to the area, and I really want to commend uh, Brother Gabe Monroe because it was really Brother Gabe when he was here in school at State, and he, he was working on his doctorate, so he was there a long time. And he was desiring a teaching ministry in the middle of the week. So he approached Brother Joe, and you have someone that's saying, I really desire this to happen. Kind of, <laughs> kind of like the Spirit of God will move his ministers, kind of like he did Philip, to go out to the middle of the desert to preach to one child of God and the eunuch who was praying, who was seeking, who was hungering. And Joe responded to that request from Brother Gabe, and again, they, they started beating the bushes and found a location at the hotel, ended up staying at that hotel just until earlier this year. So that hotel was a very good partner for like seven or eight years. But what, what that open door looked like was someone saying, hey, I would really love to have, and then uh, a minister saying, absolutely, let's go get it, you know? Yeah. One of the things I want you to understand is that I think so many times when we're praying for the Lord's will, when we're praying for open doors, we have this mindset that's very much an Old Testament mindset. And what I mean by that is we expect there to be 
a bright, shining angel that comes down and speaks to us in very uh, powerful terms. And then we're going to follow this angel right to some open door. And then everything's just going to lie. You want to know how the Lord speaks to his people today? In a still, small voice by the gentle movement of the Holy Spirit, right? What's the Holy Spirit compared to? The wind. The wind. Go back to Elijah where God spoke to him in a still, small voice. You want to know what the Lord was not in? The great wind. You know, he wasn't in the hurricane. He wasn't in the tornado. What was he in? The gentle breeze, right? The gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit blowing in the heart of Elijah. A still, small voice. So, we pray for open doors, but we need to understand what an open door looks like. Okay? Uh, for us to identify an open door is not us just waiting and sitting back and saying, Lord, I'm waiting on your angel to come down and show me what, you know, God dealt with his people a lot in dreams and visions in the Old Testament. And we even see it, hopefully we'll get over there in Acts chapter 16 with Paul being directed to Macedonia. But that's not how the Lord directs his people today, right? He doesn't direct his people in these cataclysmic, uh, powerful external displays and I do not typically think I've heard some stories about some people coming from Islam and I understand if you're in an entirely different culture the Lord you know he has a way of speaking to his people and and showing them things that we have access to God's word and and maybe he deals a little bit differently with people in those other countries uh, and other situations possibly but the lord does typically typically does not direct by dreams nowadays i mean i don't know if your dreams are as wacko as mine is. you do not really want to be trying to sift through <laughs> what is supposedly the direction of the holy spirit in these incongruent don't make any sense dreams right so you're not looking for god to give you a dream you're not looking for God to, to send some angel to direct you. You want to know how God usually opens doors? It's by picking up a phone and calling somebody, right? <laughs> it's by picking up the phone and, like I said, calling a newspaper. Hey, do you got any opportunities? you got any openings for me? And, and what happens is you just you ask, you seek, you knock, you kick some tires, and you try things out. Some things fizzle out and some things stick. I mean, I've tried some different things. Some things have fizzled out, but some things have stuck. Usually what open doors look like is you just trying to, to look for opportunities for you to actively seek and knock and pursue them. And if the Lord's in it, it'll all open up. It's amazing how when those open doors are, are manifest, everything, everything just lines up. I mean... This venue opens. This person that probably shouldn't have contacted me did. They're very gracious to give us this opportunity, even though they normally don't do this. Th those are the kind of doors that just everything lines up. 
Everything lines up when the Lord is in it. Yeah, I like the uh, phrase I was thinking about this morning with uh, Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5 where they're throwing the uh, apostles in prison and the Lord just keeps letting them right back out of prison and they go right back and preach. And he said, listen guys, he's a doctor of the law, prominent leader there, and he said, listen, we're just going to have to let this play out. (laughs) Because number one, if the Lord's in it, we can't fight against God anyway. If the Lord's not in it, it's all going to come to naught. And that's usually how things go. Like, if the Lord's in it, if the Lord's in it, he's going to bless it, right? He's going to bless it. And if he's not in it, and you're just trying to come up with something on your own, it'll, it'll just fizzle out. You know, everything just kind of takes care of itself, really. Uh, and that's what a closed door looks like. It just kind of fizzles out. But you have to be willing, not just to ask, and it all begins with prayer. You need to understand that, right? It all begins with prayer, but prayer always has to be backed up by action. I mean, y'all have heard me say this many times, but, you know, you pray for rain, you need to walk around with an umbrella, right? I mean, you need to put actions behind your prayers. So let's start with prayer. <clears throat> let's start with prayer. Actually, before we go there, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And that's one just baseline understanding that I want you to understand is that open doors are not easy. Advancing the kingdom is not easy. Open doors are not simple because there will always be adversaries and challenges and struggles when you are pursuing an open door. Always. Look at the uh, church at Philadelphia. He said, I've set before you a wide open door. But then right after that, he said, look, there are some that are the synagogue of Satan that say they're Jews, but they're not. Now, don't be concerned about them, though. Don't be worried about them because I'm going to keep you in the hour of temptation. And guess what? Those those enemies that are trying to thwart uh, the open door and the advancement of God's kingdom, those same enemies... I'm going to make them to worship at your feet. I'm going, to, I'm going to cause you to triumph over them so you don't be worried about them. Why? Because I'm in control of this door. <laughs> I'm the one that's got the key. I'm the one that's in control of this door. And you don't need to be concerned about the adversary. I've been studying in Nehemiah this week. And you want to talk about a wide open door that the Lord gave to his people. And where did that start, by the way? It started with four months of Nehemiah praying in private and devout. And then the Lord gave him a wide open door. And he was sad before the king. And the king said, why are you sad? And he had, uh, I've really been impressed by that when I've been reading it this week. The boldness for him to stand before the king and number one, to say, why should I pretend to be happy when my, when my homeland is being destroyed and, and it's being consumed? And then he had the guts and the boldness and the courage to ask the king, oh, by the way, can you give me a, a blank check for all of the wood that I'm going to need? I'm thankful for you letting me go. But by the way, can, can the Persian government pay for all the wood that we're going to need for this? And he ended up getting an, an army escort for all that. I mean, amazing how the Lord opened that door, tendered the heart of the king for the great work that he had for Nehemiah to do. And it all started by one man being burdened, him being faithful to pray, but 
having the boldness and the courage to bring that before the king when the king probably could have just chopped his head off, period. But the Lord tendered the heart of the king. All right, but now you fast forward. Now he goes uh, back to Jerusalem, and boy, you've got nothing but problems. You got Sambalat, you got Tobiah, who all they're doing, they're, they threaten them, they ridicule them, they mock them, and they say, listen, um, not, not only do they mock them and ridicule, that's always the first step. The first step of persecution is just to get you discouraged. But then they threaten their life. They said, we're going to kill you. If you keep doing this, we're going to kill you. Now, it's always good to have good information when people threaten you. Uh, all that was was an empty threat because Nehemiah showed up with the approval of the king. You think those guys are going to go kill Nehemiah when Nehemiah is on the king's mission with the king's authority? They're not going to do that. They're not going to kill him. That'd be bad business, wouldn't it? <laughs> to kill the king's messenger. They're not going to kill him. Satan is just trying to discourage and make God's people afraid to where they'll stop the work. What I'm saying is that wherever there's an open door, there are always many adversaries. It's not easy. It's not easy. But don't be concerned about those many adversaries. Number one, he said over there in Philadelphia, I'm going to make you to triumph over them. I'm going to make you to serve them. But furthermore, they cannot close the door. I want you to understand that. <clears throat> God says, I open a door and no man can close it. You may have adversaries, you may have challenges, but they are not the ones that can close that door. You want to know the only person that can close a truly open door of the Lord? You want to know the person who closes the door? Us. Us. Because the Lord is going to leave that wide open. As long as we're being faithful, the Lord is going to leave that door wide open. And you don't need to be concerned about your adversaries or your enemies or Satan closing that door. But if the Lord opens a door for a period of time, and either we're not discerning the leadership of the Holy Spirit or we're distracted by other things and we're not uh, focused to pursue that or we just don't have enough courage to pursue that open door. The only reason why an open door will ever get closed is because of our lack of diligence to go through it. As long as somebody is still going through that open door, the Lord's going to keep it wide open. The Lord's going to keep it wide open. Now, I am thankful that the Lord is just so faithful and gracious to us that he's always long-suffering, right? That even if we don't act exactly when we should, he's going to leave it open for a longer period just because he's just so good and gracious and kind to us. But he's also not mocked either, you know? I mean, the Lord's not going to leave an open door open if you ignore it or, or don't have enough courage to press into it. He's not going to leave that open indefinitely if you're not using what the Lord's given you. What's he going to do? He's going to open a door somewhere else. He's going to open a door where people are being faithful to press through what he's giving them and what he's opening for them. Okay, So the Lord may eventually close the door 
But the only way it's ever going to get closed is if we don't press through it. That's it. As long as someone is pressing through that open door, it's still going to be wide open. Okay? A great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. There's always challenges. Anything good in the kingdom is, Satan hates that, right? Satan doesn't want any advancement in the kingdom. He doesn't want any open doors. He doesn't want any new members of the church. He doesn't want any new avenues of ministry or new churches being planted. He's not omniscient, but he's got a really good network. And when he sees people doing things they're not, they didn't used to be doing, that makes a buzz in the kingdom of darkness. You know that? <laughs> we've been talking about repentance. We've been talking about a change and doing something uh, different than what you used to do. Well, that's only going to happen if you commit to external changes, external actions. And when that starts happening, when people start doing the opposite of what they used to do, Satan is not omniscient, but boy, his kingdom of darkness takes notice when people start actually seeking the kingdom of God first and foremost. When people start making changes in their life, it makes, it makes ripples in the kingdom of darkness. And what does Satan do? He galvanizes his forces to try to squelch it, right? To get us distracted, to get us afraid, to not pursue those open doors. But they cannot close any any door that the Lord has seen fit to open. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. It all begins with prayer. It all begins with prayer. But it can't end with prayer. I think we're probably diligent to pray. We're never as diligent as we ought to be in prayer. But um, there has to be something that backs up the prayer, right? There has to be action. There has to be seeking and knocking beyond just the prayer. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18, and this is the conclusion of the armor of God. The seventh piece of that armor of God is prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may uh, open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's writing to the church and he said, pray for me as a preacher. Pray for me as a pastor. Pray for the ministry. That God would give me boldness and utterance. <coughs> and I would ask for your prayers on my behalf as well. Because that's not one of my strong attributes. I'm very timid by nature. I'm not very bold, but I love in Acts chapter 4, you have the first persecution of the apostles, these fishermen and regular people that are trying to figure out how to be apostles, trying to figure out how to be preachers. And they have the very first taste of persecution, and they go back to the church, and they tell them what happened, and they pray to the Lord, and they say, Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness. And the Lord answers that prayer with an earthquake. And surprise, surprise, they pray for boldness and they went out preaching with boldness. That's what we need. We need a bold ministry. But that I, will, that I can open my mouth boldly, that God would give me utterance, give me the right words to say in the right setting, in the, right, in, uh, the apples of gold and the pictures of silver. Give, give, me the, give me the right words to say in the right setting. 
And that's certainly true of the ministry, but I hope that that can be true of of all of us. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for us. It needs to be part of your daily prayers to pray for the ministry and pray for the preachers just in general in the kingdom, but especially for your pastor, that they would have a door of utterance. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Lord, open doors for us. Open doors. And I understand that you are not called in the way that the ministry has been called, okay? And I understand there is a time to call in reinforcements, you know? I understand there is a a time to say, yeah, you need to talk to my preacher. But... But that is the last stage, not the first stage, okay? You need to have uh, an understanding of God's word where you can invite people, that you can explain the doctrines of grace, explain why we do things the way we do it. And I'm, I'm here to aid in that way. And if you get in uh, waters that are a little bit deeper than, than you're uh, able to... To navigate at the time, then call me, text me, right? I, I, I want to be involved. But the church is the front lines, okay? And I understand that not everyone has that calling in the way that the ministry has been called. But there's such a synergy between the church and the ministry that you should be praying for the ministry to individually have doors of utterance, and that could be isolated from you, or it could be in aid to you, okay? What I mean by that is like, I hope that you're praying for doors of utterance, that even if you're not involved with it, I have something that happens in my daily activities that I can speak to someone individually that's separate from you, but then the door of utterance is also that, I have someone that's inquiring. I have someone that's asking. Let's invite them over to supper and invite me over to supper. And if that happens, Lord, please guide by your spirit to allow the pastor to say the right thing at the right time to answer their question, okay? So you can either be involved or not involved, but regardless, Lord, give us, by the guidance of your spirit, Lord, give us opportunities But in the moment, Lord, give us the right thing to say at the right time. And that's another thing that really stood out to me in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Boy, he's about to ask for some bold request before the king. I mean, he could have been killed just from being sad in the the king's uh, presence. But he's asking for a long vacation, okay, And the king really had no reason to grant him his request. And it says, the king asked him, what are you requesting of me? And right there in the middle of that, it says that Nehemiah, I prayed to the God of heaven. In the middle of probably the most important conversation of his life, (laughs) what did he do? In his head, he said, Lord, please bless me. (laughs) Lord, give me the right words to say. Lord, 
don't let me mess this up. <laughs> I mean, think about Esther. Think about Esther. Thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You, you've been put, and that's what we need to think about open door. The Lord is not going to put you in the batter's box 24-7 all the time. But when he puts you in the batter's box, Lord, give me a door of utterance. Give me, guide my tongue, guide my spirit to say the right thing at the right time when you see fit to put me in the batter's box. And Nehemiah was in the batter's box, and before he got ready to swing, he said, Lord, please bless me, right? Lord, please give me the right words to say because my life is on the line, literally in Nehemiah's case. Lord, give me the right words to say in the right moment when you've opened a door and maybe the most important thing in all this, which by the way, if the Spirit is guiding you, you're going to have courage that you would be surprised that you do have. Because it's not your courage, right? It's the Lord that's giving you that courage. You might be surprised that, man, I, I'm surprised I was that bold in that moment. Well, it may not have been as much you as it is the Spirit of God guiding you and speaking through you. That's why we need to pray for the Lord to give us utterance. Let's hit... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Again, daily prayers. You need to be praying for the ministry. Praying for your pastor. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And we always want to have the word of the Lord to have free course in public worship, right? I mean, we need to be recharged and encouraged when we, when we show up for uh, worship on the Lord's Day or in other opportunities in the middle of the week or on the weekend, we always want to feel the presence of the Spirit of God in the midst of public worship. But listen, when he's saying that pray for us that the Word of the Lord may have free course, they're not talking about give me good preaching liberty when I'm preaching to the church. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, Lord, allow the Word of the Lord to have free course in my daily activities as I minister and I interact with those in the community. This is not talking about public worship. Now, we sure hope uh, the Word of the Lord can have free course in public worship because it encourages us and we can, we can get excited and refreshed in public worship. But you need to be praying for the Word of the Lord to have free course the other six days of the week. Okay? The Word of the Lord to have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And also, Lord, direct and guide the ministry in such a way and use their time efficiently. <laughs> Because, pray for us, that we may be delivered from unreasonable wicked men, for all men have not faith. And I'm not going to take the time to give us, give the Primitive Baptist stump speech, you know, about, you know, that means, you see, everybody doesn't have faith, and Paul says that I want to be delivered from people instead of, we got to preach the gospel to everybody same, same to heaven, right? But Paul says, listen, I don't want to waste my time Preaching to the unregenerate. <laughs> now understand, we preach the gospel indiscriminately. We call all men everywhere to repent, right? We don't just evaluate people and say, oh, this looks like a sheep. I'm only going to preach into this person. No, we just preach the gospel and the Spirit of God takes care of all that. But he said, listen, I want you to pray for me that I don't waste my time because we ain't got much of it. <laughs> Especially those of us that are bivocational men. We ain't got much time. You know, that, that's, that's part of what the Lord was saying. If you remember when they sent out uh, the 12, 12 apostles, sent them out two by two, he said, listen, you go and you preach and you see how they respond. If they respond and they welcome you into home, you post up. 
you preach there as long as they're willing to listen. You tell. But if they don't listen, you, you're not obligated to stay there for two weeks trying to save souls to heaven. What do you do? Just shake the dust off your feet and move on. Don't waste your time. <laughs> don't waste your time on people that aren't listening, that, that aren't, uh, that aren't uh, being edified and, and they're, they're interested and they're hungering. So pray for the Lord by his spirit to guide in such a way that the spirit uses and the ministry uses their time wisely. Don't waste their time on unreasonable wicked men because all men don't have faith. Okay? Okay, let's... Uh, let's just try to conclude this in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16. How do we discern open doors? <clears throat> how do we discern open doors? It all starts with prayer, first of all. Okay? Actually, you stay there, but... Uh, Acts chapter 13, they're praying and they ordain um, Paul and Barnabas to go out on their first missionary journey. They lay hands on them and they pray. They go out and the Lord blesses them in a special way because, because the Lord was going before them. Okay? And he says this a little bit later on in Acts chapter 18, talking about Corinth. But he said that the Spirit of God was encouraging Paul as he was afraid and discouraged he said, listen, don't be afraid to preach in the city because I already have much people in the city, right? I'm already moving by the Spirit to prepare people's hearts to receive the message. The Spirit of God always is going to be ahead of us in an open door, okay? It's always going to be planning and preparing the ground to receive the seed, okay? So in Acts 13, they ordain them. They pray, then they go out preaching, and they, nobody's ever done this before, okay? This, this is the first go-round, okay? And then, they, and then they come back. Then they come back, and they're, they're able to give this great testimony of the people that uh, had received this. And this is their summary in Acts 14 and verse 27. They were come back, and they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now, understand the process here. It started with a burden, okay? Started with the burden of the ministry. It was followed up by prayer. Then they got they got to, they got busy, right? They they sought, they knocked, and the Lord was moving ahead of them. The Lord was guiding their footsteps. And it became evident because the people received it that the Lord had opened the door, okay? So now they're getting ready for their second missionary journey, their second trip. And I'll tell you, it's hard to discern the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's difficult. We talked on Wednesday nights recently, earlier this year, about following your heart. I mean, it's difficult to discern the leadership and the guidance of the Spirit. And it does make me feel a little bit better that the Apostle Paul who was so in tune with the Lord, so in tune with the Spirit, that you know what? He, he kind of messed, he, he discerned the Spirit wrong, not just once, but twice in a row, okay? So he's saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? I know that you're guiding me to take another trip. <laughs> but what's the route we go, right? I mean, what, what cities do we go? What, what route do we go? Well, you want to know how the Lord guides you in open doors? You just get moving, you begin activity, you try this out, and if it doesn't work, move to the next thing. If it doesn't work, move to the next thing. 
If it doesn't work, move to the next thing. And one of these times, if the Lord's in it, he's going to bless it. Just like Gamaliel said, right? If the Lord's in it, you can't fight against it. If the Lord's not in it, it's all going to come to naught. So he said, uh, trying to discern the spirit, and he said, okay, let's, let's, go, to, let's go to Galatia. In Asia, rather. Let's go to Asia. And I don't know how this happened. I've always wondered about that. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. How'd that happen? I think it was more of just an internal conviction, you know? Um, Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said, I've, I've desired to come to you for many years, but Satan has hindered me. You know, I wanted to come, but, you know, and I don't know if, how all that works, you know? Uh, especially since he attributed to Satan. I don't tend to think that was like a sickness. But, you know, I can just envision um, him saying, all right, we are going to Rome next week. And then all of a sudden, you have some wicked ruler that throws him in prison. Well, Paul said, that's Satan did that. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to go to Rome to preach to them. And I, I think I have an open door right there. And that mini adversary shows up. And I have this wicked ruler that throws me in prison. So I've been trying to come to you in Rome, but Satan keeps hindering me. So it could be that there's some external force, right? He gets thrown in prison. He gets sick. I mean, sometimes people get sick. I don't think Satan is really in charge of that. But, you know, sometimes people get sick, you know. But how, how was it that the Holy Spirit prevented him and forbade, forbade him from preaching in Asia? I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but if you just... And I, I'm thankful that I've never been as far down that road as Jonah. Praise God for that. But if you've ever done something that is directly contradictory to what the Lord is guiding you to do, you feel such a strong, heavy burden and conviction on your heart. And the Lord, as we've discussed, the Lord is a good heavenly father and he always lets you know the reason why you feel that. And I think there was just something in, in Paul's soul that the Lord just let him know you're not supposed to go here. And that's why our soul, we have to spend time in private closet devotion with the Lord because that is where the Lord guides your heart, okay? That is where he burdens your heart, both in the positive and the negative, you know? You need to be burdened to do things, but you also need to be burdened to know when not to do things, okay? And all of that is not, you're not in tune with that still small voice when we're, in the rat race and busy and pushed in 30,000 different directions, you have to have that quiet devotion and prayer time with the Lord so he can guide your heart, okay? So now Asia, and Paul just feels this like burden and said, man, this ain't it. But what did he do? What did he do? He just kept moving, you know? I mean, okay, let, let's try out Asia. Man, this ain't, this don't feel right, you know? Okay, what are we going to do next? Let's Let's go, to, let's go to Bithynia, okay? Let's just keep moving. Let's just keep moving. Just do something. Let's try something. And then the Spirit suffered him not to go in there. And then after the second time, he's like, okay, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord appeared to him in a vision, in a vision. Now, don't wait on the Lord to send you a vision nowadays. But you don't know how a lot of times how the man from Macedonia will contact us today. <laughs> we'll get an email. We'll get a text message. We'll get a phone call. And he's saying, Lord, come over. Uh, uh, Lord, send. 
We see this with Cornelius. We see this with the man of Macedonia. The Lord is always working on both sides of the equation. And boy, it's always special, right? To see the Lord guiding and working and to see all that come together. That's special. Because what's happening is just like with Cornelius, they're praying, Lord, I, I know we need guidance, but I don't even know what the guidance looks like. And the Lord is burdening Peter over here. Same way with the eunuch and with Philip. These people in Macedonia, they don't know what they need. These are, these are uh, most likely pagan Gentiles that don't know anything about Jehovah God. They just have a discontentment of soul that what we're doing ain't right. And Lord, please give us something. Give us knowledge. So they're praying over here with, they don't have all the truth in the world, but they got the right spirit. They're praying over here in the spirit, and then the spirit is moving over here in Paul to pursue that open door. Okay? But don't expect a vision. He's going to guide you in the still, small voice. And then they show up in Macedonia, and the rest is history. I mean, beautiful, beautiful testimony of what the Lord did there with Philippi being the main city, Macedonia being the region, Philippi being the chief city there in that region. And the Lord was guiding and directing that open door. But what Paul was doing, though, that's what I want you to understand. Paul was not just sitting in Jerusalem and saying, well, Lord, send your angel to show me where to go. He said, you know what? I think I, think I need to go over here. Oh, wait a minute. I was wrong. Well, you know what? Let me, okay, let's try the next city. Let's try, let, let me go over here. Let's try the next city. Man, this don't feel right either. And then the Lord honored his desire and commitment to try to pursue those open doors by then opening one in a very manifest, powerful way, right? And we see the Lord's blessings uh, in Macedonia when the Lord opened that door, okay? So <clears throat> we need to be careful for open doors, but we need the, the zeal and the courage. It takes a lot of courage to go through an open door. It takes a lot of courage. The real open doors that matter, okay? It takes a lot of courage. You don't know why it takes a lot of courage? Because you're gonna have adversaries. You're gonna, it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. <clears throat> But I pray that the Lord will give us the discernment and the guidance of the Spirit, the courage and the wisdom to go through those open doors. But more than anything, that we would be found faithful for the Lord to open those doors unto us, right? That he would count us faithful to give us open doors. And we certainly pray that that will be the case. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.